Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, fourth to last NASCAR DFS podcast of the 2020 season. Matt, I actually think this marks the two-year anniversary of when we started this podcast because I think we started it with like four races to go in the 2018 season. So happy anniversary, buddy. I'm pretty sure you're right on that. We're, we're pretty close to that. Uh, it's uh, It's been pretty impressive that we've, uh, you know, grown this thing over the last two years. Um, you know, kind of came into our own um, and have, you know, more of a conversational style now than we did beforehand when it was just like, hey, what about this guy? And then, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, you know, that's that's pretty sweet. We also have a new round of the playoffs starting this week. It's the round of eight. So the next three races, uh, four drivers are going to try and punch their ticket to the championship race in Phoenix coming up on November 8th. So, uh, you know, the, the stakes get a tad bit higher on Sunday at Kansas. Um, and then it'll be Texas and then Martinsville before the race at Phoenix. So we're wrapping this thing up pretty quick. And it's kind of shocking that, again, we still managed to get all 36 points races in after missing 10 weeks of right. the season. Um <laughs> So, yeah, that, that's pretty sweet. I'm looking forward to Kansas. It usually puts on a pretty good show, especially for intermediate tracks. Um, and you kind of never know what's going to happen here in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, just a few quick notes. We don't really have any news as far as where drivers are landing. No news on – no real news yet on Kyle Larson, Eric Jones, Ty Dillon. Those guys are all kind of just waiting for the next pin to drop. Um but I guess like one, I guess one thing we can plug before we just dive into the driver pool. Uh, Ed Rouse is going to be on with us next week. Um, if you've listened to those podcasts, I think we've done like two podcasts with Ed. Mm-hmm. They're usually a little more vibrant. Ed brings a whole new energy to the podcast, so definitely keep an eye out for that one. That'll be a fun one. Um, with that being said, we're not going to dive into the driver pool yet, but let's just do a quick breakdown of Kansas Speedway. It's a mile and a half. Um, obviously, there are certain drivers that will target for this track, but um playoff field is kevin harvick denny hamlin brad kislowski chase elliott joey logano martin Truex jr alex bowman i think it's his first time in the round of eight and finally kurt bush who won at vegas to break this uh round of eight what can we expect at kansas this week overall who do you think comes out with a win um so way to put me on the spot right to, right to start here um kansas is a mile and a half track it's got progressive banking uh, in the corners, which means down by the apron, uh, it'll be a little less banked than it is up by the wall. So it kind of, you know, gives drivers a little bit more choice of line and racing groove and whatnot because you can take the shorter, faster way around, which is around the inside line, shorter distance, or you can go up by the wall and carry more momentum through the through the corners for a run down the straightaway, try to make those momentum passes that we've come become so used to now. Um, so yeah, it's got a pretty wide racing surface. You'll see kind of a lot of three wide passes at times, especially on restarts. Um, it also tends to be a track that can be a little crazy from time to time. We were talking about this before recording the podcast. Um, it can be a wreck fest sometimes. Um, just to preface this, it's not like a full blown Talladega or Daytona, um, but it can be, kind of crash happy for an intermediate track uh mostly because the grip level isn't quite as high as some other ones and cooler temps 
and you've got stakes that are really high, so people are making moves for, you know, wins and whatnot. And like I said, restarts are nuts at this at this track. So uh, 267 laps in this 400-mile race, three stages, 80 laps, 80 laps, and 107 laps for the Cup Series. Um, there will be a competition caution at lap 25 for the Cup Series. Uh, lap 20 for the Xfinity Series and no competition caution for the Truck Series to get that out of the way there. Um, so, yeah, the other thing you want to pay attention to is guys that finish on the lead laps. Because in four of the last five races here at Kansas, 19 or fewer drivers have finished on the lead lap by the end of the race. Really? In three of those, 15 or fewer drivers have finished on the lead lap <clears throat> by the end of the race. The most was 21. So... Tends to be a lot of but passing. Half the field is going to fall a lap down. Yeah, they're going to fall a lap down either from crashing out, having uh, mechanical issues, or just because somebody's setup is so much better than anybody else's. Um, so, yeah, just kind of pay attention to that stuff as you're building your lineups. Love it. Um, quick notes on truck and Xfinity. Uh, there will be playbooks for both. The truck playbook will actually be out probably Friday night. I, I'm, I have a half day at work tomorrow, so I'll be out relatively early. And when I get home, I'll just start cranking that one out. And the Xfinity playbook will be out Saturday morning, maybe around the time the truck race. Nah, it'll be out before the truck race. Yeah, so um, if, you're, if you don't know, there's two races Saturday. There's, there's the truck race mm -hmm. about, what, noon Eastern? One Eastern on uh, Saturday? Uh... Four Eastern for trucks, actually. Is it four Eastern and it's a nighttime Xfinity race? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Looking I thought like it was that. a little earlier. So, yeah, it's a it's a late afternoon truck race, and then the Xfinity race will start X amount of minutes after the truck race ends, assuming the truck race goes long. Um, there's actually an ARCA race on Friday night, if you're interested, and then the cup race is Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's going to be about 74 in Kansas City on Saturday for the truck race. Uh, it'll cool off for Xfinity. And then on Sunday, it'll be 47 degrees and cloudy. So it'll be pretty comparable to the evening temps we had in July for the uh, Thursday night Kansas race we had for the first trip to Kansas. All right. Cup series. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to this weekend. Let's just dive into the driver pool. We'll start with the playoff drivers since they're starting up front. Chase Elliott on the pole. Joey Logano. Starting right next to him on the front row, $9,500 for Joey Logano is a pretty friendly price tag for a guy who could potentially go out and lead some laps uh, in the summer race, the July race. He did lead 27 laps, uh, started, I believe, in the exact same spot he's starting in this one. Uh, I think he wrecked out, if memory serves correct, but I mean, the opportunity, yep. I'm not necessarily going to hold that against him. I tried to, with certain guys, uh, you know, we can hold the... You know, the I guess we can hold it over their head that they have a history of wrecking out a la Ricky Stenhouse. But for Logano, I mean, he's still in the front row. He led laps here in July. So 9500 is a pretty nice price tag to take advantage of in GPPs. Uh, Chase is coming off a win, so naturally he's on the pole. Uh, but, I mean, they're playoff drivers. They're racing to win. A win locks them into Phoenix. Um, both are in play. Yeah, obviously both are in play. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head there with Logano. He's a much better play for GPPs. He has a pretty good history here of leading laps and getting dominator points, but not finishing nearly as high as he probably should. Um, 
or where he starts to give you an idea in the last eight races here. Um, he's got five top 20 finishes, but an average finish of 17.4. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, he's leading 17 and a half laps a race in that span. Um, in the last four, that number jumps up to more like 33 laps a race. But again, he still has an average finish of about 18.8. So um, I think Logano's much better suited for GPPs. You could try to get the early laps led with him starting second, which, yes, he did start there in July and led 25 to 30 laps. Um, Chase Elliott, though, is still a better play for cash. Um, he's I know he's on the pole, and that's a little odd to say at a mile and a half, but he's got four top tens in the last... Um, yeah, he's solid. Like five or six mile and a half tracks they've run. Uh, he does have a win here in this playoff race. Uh, it was not in this round. It was in when he won it. It was in the round of twelve, which punched his ticket to the round of eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, his average finish is four point eight here. He does still lead laps. He gets some fastest laps. So that's kind of <clears> how <throat> I see the front row. Is Chase is better for? Cash and obviously is fine for GPPs and Logano's basically a GPP only play. Cool. Uh, next row, row number two, we have Kurt Busch, uh, eighty two hundred on DraftKings next to Kevin Harvick, who is ten thousand four hundred dollars on DraftKings. Kind of like the price tag on both. Um, Bush is an interesting play. I mean, a lot of people don't think he should have made it this far, but hell, he won at Vegas where he historically sucks, and you know, so and he's been consistent like all year. So it's yeah. It's not the, really shocking. And the history here isn't terrible. Um, but I also feel like Kevin Harvick has kind of been quiet the last few weeks. This definitely feels like a race where he could break out, win it, punch his ticket, and then just take it easy the next two weeks uh, and just wait for Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, uh, Harvick has been a guy that has done pretty well here uh, in the past. In this race, um, last year, I believe he led... Uh, he did. He did all right. He started 40th in this race last year and finished ninth um, in the July race. Here, Harvick started on the pole, finished fourth, led nine laps, had four fastest laps. It was just kind of a eh uh, showing for him. But you know, he has led more than 100 laps here previously uh, after starting on the pole, so he does have experience leading a bunch of laps here. Um, it basically comes down to if he gets the setup right, right out of the box, he's going to be pretty hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's no way of knowing that before we see them on the track. There's no practice. Um, but it's hard to go against Kevin Harvick based on the year he's had, based on how good he's been at mile-and-a-half tracks. Um, what do you think his ownership is going to be? Because, I mean, he kind of... I understand that the last uh, the round of twelve had a Talladega race in there, but other than that, you know, the the results for him were just kind of vanilla. You know, a tenth, eleventh, and I believe a twentieth. Um, yeah, I understand there's more pressure in this round, but he he did just kind of like skate through the last round. Like, are we expecting him to return to the Kevin Harvick of old? Like, do you expect ownership to be heavy on him? I think probably because it's still Kevin Harvick, and in the last five races this season, which does still include that Talladega race. Kevin Harvick still has the second best average finish in that span in the entire field. Yeah, I left out the round of 16 because he won two of those races. (laughs) um, Well, this is only including, at this point, I guess, two of those, Mm -hmm. I guess, would still be included. But 
His 9.8 average finish is second best in the field. So it's not like anybody's really been burning the, you know, burning the wheels off of stuff. Um, he still has the most laps led, or second most laps led in that span per race. He still has the most fastest laps. So it's not like he's had a bad car. There's just been some not great tracks for him. So I think he will actually be pretty decently highly played. Okay. Um, Figured. Because he is he is almost $1,000 cheaper than Chase Elliott on DraftKings. Um, and if you look at their stats, aside from average finish, it's kind of in Kevin Harvick's, um, you know, favor. So it's kind of an interesting spot for Harvick this week. All right. Next row we have Martin Truex Jr. at 11000 on DK. Alex Bowman, eighty six hundred on DK. I'm excited to play both in this in, in this contest. Uh, Truex is very good on mile and a halfs. Um, I mean, <laughs> notoriously had that run where he was just coming in the top five or even the top three for a few weeks back in August. Um, you know, obviously he didn't have the greatest run at Talladega or at Bristol, but at the same time, you know, those aren't did, his tracks, really. Exactly. So. But I mean, this is right in his wheelhouse. Um, I, I believe his only, and he's got Martinsville in this stage too, and I believe that was his only win this year, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he, he flat out dominated that. Round of eight yeah. is shaping up to be very good for Truex. He, he's definitely a guy you're going to want to play this week. And Alex also, Bowman. He's won at Texas, he's won at Kansas, and he's won at Martinsville. <clears throat> so the odds of him punching his ticket is, is pretty good. Um, is he okay yeah. in cash? Yeah, I would I would be okay playing Truex in in cash here. Um, you know, there's not really any one dominant driver here in the last four or eight races like we've seen elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Truex is about as close as it gets because in the last eight races here, Truex actually has the highest average finish at six point oh. He's got five top fives in that span. Um, again, that includes. You know, between 2017 and 2019, where you basically couldn't beat them on a mile and a half track. Um, but that team has been really consistent most of the year. Um, and like you said, there was a stretch for about seven or eight races where he finished third in just about every one of them, except for one where he finished second. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think he's fine. Alex Bowman, I think, could be the sneaky playoff driver. to play. I completely agree. I think that I mean the price tag is going to make some people look harder at him, especially on DraftKings where he's eighty six hundred for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but his seven and a half average finish here in the last four races puts him like third or fourth in the field in that category. Um, you know he's led some laps here. He's got some decent fastest laps. Um, you know I think he's actually got a pretty solid driver rating at ninety six point eight that puts him in like the top five or six in that one so yeah i I think Alex Bowman is actually a pretty good cash or g b v play i man, I don't know if I'm there yet on cash. I definitely love him in g p p s though I just feel like the ownership is always so light. It just seems like people sleep on him um well okay, but in the last in the last five races here in in DraftKings, based on his salary this week, he's returned an average value of 5.2. Mm-hmm. And on FanDuel, and that's, salary, cash. that's he's, what we're looking for. Right. And at FanDuel, in that same span, his average value is 5.5, which values on FanDuel get a little 
bit different because you have the higher floor with the laps completed. Um, but still, you're looking for a 5X value driver in in cash. And of the playoff drivers, which are the top eight starting spots, there's only one, two, three, four. About half of them are returning 5X value at their salaries this week over the last five DK races. How likely is it that Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman maybe find a way to work together in this race? I know we typically don't see it at mile and a half as much as we do at super speedways. I think it's possible. I mean, yeah. there are there are such things as team orders in NASCAR. I mean, I know nobody likes to talk about it, and that's more of an F1 thing. Um, but I could see it happening if um, if they're using strategy that, to their advantage to try to maximize the points that they can get yep. to sure up their spot so at least one of them makes the, the championship four. I could see it happening. Cool. Uh, we'll move on to the final row for the championship or the the round of eight drivers at least. Uh, Denny Hamlin is ten thousand six hundred. Brad Keselowski is ten thousand one hundred. Interesting price tags for both guys. Hamlin won the July race. Yes, he did. Yes, and he uh, won he, last uh, October in the playoffs here too. Led fifty seven laps in July with thirty four fastest laps. Uh, just a classic Denny Hamlin win. Uh, hell of a year for him. He's he's rolling. He's he's been crushing it. Uh, seems like it, I had a really good read on Hamlin earlier in the year. Kind of lost that magic a little bit. I just can't seem to get him right anymore. Uh, I definitely will get on board this week. I mean, you kind of need exposure to the top eight playoff drivers. But if you had to choose between these two, which one are you taking? That's a tough. That's a tough choice because Laskey's won two of like the last five races here too. Um, though one of them, I think he capitalized on like somebody screwing up in the last corner and he passed them late. If I'm not mistaken, like last, last year's first race at Kansas, I want to say, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go with Hamlin though. Um, he's won the last two races here. It's a comparable track to, um, Las Vegas. It's also a comparable track to Homestead, which he flat out dominated, Yep. Earlier this year. Um, and, you know, he's been really pretty good at the mile and a half races. There's only a couple that he flat out missed the setup on. Um, obviously, Kentucky is probably the most noteworthy one where he com- just completely missed the setup. Um, so, yeah, I would probably go with Hamlin. I was, when I was writing the track breakdown, which is up at Fantasy Alarm. Uh, and I was looking at my tier one picks, the one guy from tier one that I'm going to build around. It came down to between Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin. And I went with Hamlin cause he's a little cheaper than Chase Elliott. He has some extra PD upside cause he's starting six spots further back and he's the two time defending race winner here. So it's still hard to go against Hamlin, but I do like Kislowski cause he's, always a guy that is in the right place at the right time and catches. You can't call him lucky breaks anymore because he gets them so often. He can't be that lucky. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously fine with either one of these guys. I would probably play a little bit more Hamlin than I'm going to Kislowski. All right. Love it. Now we'll break down the drivers that are outside the playoff picture. Uh, first drivers that we're going to talk about <clears throat> starting ninth and 10th, respectively, Ryan Blaney, 9,700 on DraftKings, $11,400 on FanDuel. 
William Byron is 9,000 on DK, just 9,400 on FanDuel. Um, I feel like this is a lost year for Ryan Blaney, man. Like he was, he had the fastest car before the season got shut down with practices in general. He just had great speed week in and week out, had some bad luck early on. Just such a great play every week though, because the speed was there. And now he's just he's outside the playoff picture and it absolutely sucks. But what's the read on these two these this week? I'm probably fading Byron and really liking Blaney. Um yeah, I'm probably gonna go the opposite of that. Uh Blaney is my fade this week. Um he just does not do well at Kansas historically. Um, in the last four races here, his average finishes 20th. He does have a top 10, but that tells you how bad the other three finishes have been. If his average finishes 20th and he still has a top 10, um, he typically goes backwards about 14 spots a race, which, yes, can be skewed by a couple of accidents. But again, if he's crashing out, you don't want parts of that. In the last eight races here, though, he's still going backwards about seven spots and his average finishes 17th. Um, He's just been too iffy for me here. Um, I just don't want to pay that price tag for a guy that is more likely to go backwards than not. And in the last five races here um, on DK at his current price tag, he's averaged 1.8x value. I'm just not a big fan of that. I will get a little bit of William Byron. Um not a lot. He had a good run here in July. Like, these guys kind of had, like, opposite narratives. Because I think Blaney had, like, an average running position of 6th in July, but finished 20th. Yeah. And then Byron had an average running position of 15th, but somehow finished 10th. Yeah, because there was a late race uh, mishap that he kind of avoided there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not terribly high on Byron. Um, I'd like to see him a little cheaper than what he brings to the table right now. Um. Because keep in mind that he's now out of the playoffs. He's also he also knows he's going to have a new crew chief next year. So like, you know, he got his win. He got an extension. What's kind of the motivation there for for Byron at this point? I'm guessing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a uh, kind of a skip over row for me, really. All right, interesting. Uh, the next row, and I feel so bad that we glossed over. Uh, big news because Clint Boyer announced that he is retiring after this year. I can't believe we forgot to touch on that in the beginning, but honestly, obviously well, didn't he announce it last week. I think he announced it on, uh, now you know what? You might be right, but I think we, we did the podcast before he announced it. Maybe. maybe. Either way. I thought we touched on it last week, but maybe we not. May have. I don't but know. yes, he is headed to the Fox sports booth uh, for next year. And this is his hometown race, by the way. This is yeah. the last time in a cup car in his home race. Um, he lives, I mean, he's from Emporia, Kansas, which for those of you who may not be familiar, is about two to two and a half hours from Kansas City, uh, which is basically where this racetrack is. I know it says Kansas Speedway, but it's just outside of Kansas City. Um, so this is his last trip to Kansas. and He's never won it, and he really wants to. And so there's a bit of a narrative here with, with Clint Boyer. Um, also the entire state of Kansas would burn down based on the party he was probably if he won it. Um, but actually my, so I really like Clint Boyer this week. I think he's a pretty solid play, but Jones. better guy to start in this row is Eric Jones. Eric Jones has an average finish of 4.8 here, which ties Chase yeah. Elliott for best in the field in the last four races. 
he's moved up an average of eight and a half spots a race to hit that. So he's starting about uh, about where he normally starts here, and he can get into the top five. You want to guess who has the best average finish in the last five races this season? That would be Eric Jones. In fact, I think in all but one playoff race, Eric Jones has finished P8 or better. Yeah, yeah you are correct. So <laughs> he's been really good, and I don't feel like anybody's really for those. He's finished in the top four. Yeah. Um, his average finish in the last five races, I think, is like 7.6 right now. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I his feel like... finishing the last four races is just 4.0. Yeah. He's also, by the way, got by far and away the best driver rating at Kansas the last four races at 132.2. Alright. The next closest is Kozlowski at 113.8, and those are the only two guys that are over 100 in that stat. Um... <clears throat> So, yes, Eric Jones is basically a lock and load must play this week. Uh, he's been really good. He he came out this week and said they've been loose because they don't have the pressure of the playoffs on them. He's still trying to – I mean, nobody really knows what's happening with him next year. Right. You can almost be assured he's going to wind up in a car, but nobody knows which one. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like that row this week. I really do. Good stuff. Uh, next row, we have uh, Cole Custer, $7,000 on DraftKings. Not a bad price. Nope. And Jimmy Johnson at 9200 on DraftKings. At this price, I understand the starting spot is okay for JJ. Uh, not a big fan of playing there, though. I will get a little exposure to Custer, though. Uh, looked pretty good in the July race. Yeah, he finished seventh. Yeah. Uh, moved up 17 spots to do that, so he's obviously starting a bit higher this, this week than he did uh, in that one. And... You know, if there's any discipline he's been better at this year than others, I would say mile and a half tracks have been better for him um, this year than than most of the other disciplines in that 41 car. Um, and by the way, in his five mile and a half uh, races in the Cup Series that I compared these two, Custer started on average 25th. He's finished on average about 17th for about seven and a half spots a race. So... That's that's pretty impressive out of the young driver. So, obviously, we're not expecting that much PD from him starting 13th. Um, but at $7,000, he doesn't really have to do much to hit value at that point. Right. Uh, next row, we have Tyler Reddick at $7,800. Uh, Eric Almarola at $8,000. I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by Almarola this week. Uh, he was kind of like the DFS darling for a little bit earlier in the year when he just somehow was starting on the top row finishing there as well um it's been the best car he's had probably in his career eight thousand dollars is a pretty good price tag and you know for a guy starting 16th who i want to say had a he came in sixth in the in the july race so i'm willing to get a little a little exposure here and play around with elmer i feel like the ownership might be down because the you know the magic and the the mystique around him from earlier this year has worn off um, not that excited about Reddick, but I'll, I'll play around with Elmarola this week. Um, so again, you and I are going to disagree on this row. Perfect. Not that I'm opposed <laughs> to Elmarola. I think he's a solid enough play. He did finish sixth in the July race. Uh, he started third, so he moved back a little bit, but he still basically held his spot. Um, but Tyler Reddick has finished. He's raced here twice in the Cup Series. Finished in the top fifteen both times. 
moved up 11 spots on average to do that. Obviously, he's likely not going to do that uh, <laughs> this week. He also has one top 10 amongst those top 15s. Um, I think he's looked pretty good of late. Um, if you also look at his five mile and a half races here that I compared, which is, uh, the comparable tracks in my mind are Kansas, Las Vegas, Chicago land at Homestead. Um, so if you look at the five times he's raced on those, he's moved up about five spots a race. He does have a top five, uh, in there along with, you know, all three top 15s in the last five, uh, races this season. Tyler Reddick has moved up five and a half spots a race and has four top 15 finishes. Um, so, you know, again, he's starting 15th, not a ton of PD expected, mm-hmm. but at this price tag, I don't really think you need him to do more than move up a few spots and you'd be close. I mean, you know, inside the top 10 would be better, but, um, so, yeah, that's kind of my view on that one. I'll get some exposure to Almarola, but I'm higher on Tyler Reddick. Okay. Uh, the next row is very interesting. Uh, two guys that have done pretty well on mile and a half this year. Matt Benedetto uh, starting 18th. He's 7,700. Next to him will be Austin Dillon starting 17th. He's 75. Um, I mean, it's it's just one of those things where it's like you play them because the price the price tags are great. I don't know. I, I guess I could play them like in the same lineup together, but they're both sub-8K. PD is on their side, and they've looked pretty solid at mile and a half this year, which typically hasn't been the case with these guys. But their cars have been great; they're not in the playoff picture anymore. But you know, they're still really good GPP plays and borderline cash plays. Yeah, I mean, I feel more comfortable with both of them in GPPs. Um, I could see De Benedetto being a low tier cash play. I'm I'm higher on De Benedetto as a cash play than Austin Dillon. Um. But, yeah, I mean, both of them intrigue me. That price point is is pretty interesting. It's also interesting to see this many drivers inside the top 20 with a sub-8K uh, price point on them because we've just rattled off a bunch. Like, everybody we've talked about except for Jimmy Johnson has been 8K or less mm-hmm. going back to Cole Custer. So it's kind of surprising to see this many guys less than 8K inside the top, like, 18. Um so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I, I'm not terribly high on either guy. Um, but they both have some magic going right now. They've both been pretty good on mile and a half. Um, obviously, Austin Dillon won at Texas earlier this year, which is race coming up next week. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically where we're going to leave that one. Cool. Next row, uh, I'm not terribly excited about this one. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. starting 23rd. Christopher Bell starting 22nd. Stenhouse is 7,400. Bell is 7,200. You skip like three did, guys. Did I skip one? Who did I skip? Ryan Priest, oh, Kyle Bush, and oh, Chris Buescher. My bad. My bad. I was looking at DraftKings. Ignore me. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ryan Priest. Oh, my God. We skipped over the obvious cash. I'm such an idiot. Ryan Priest starting 19th, 6,300. Kyle Bush is 9,900, and he's starting 20th. Um, had a really good run here uh, back in July. 37 fastest laps, 52 laps led. <laughs> just just like his season, uh, very disappointing finish. Started 8th, finished 11th. Uh, but he's starting 20th this week. Obviously, going to be chalk. 
Yeah, it's going to be hard to ignore Kyle Busch, um, who is basically hunting a win at this point. Uh, he was eliminated from the playoffs last week, like he kind of called three weeks before, and he said he was going to be eliminated in the round of 12, and then he was. And by the way, that's the earliest a defending champion has ever been eliminated from the cup playoffs. Um, but it's kind of hard to ignore Kyle Busch at Kansas, a track where he's won. He's had pretty good success. Uh, he did have a fast car here in July. Um, yeah, just based on if, if you take his average finish of 11.5 over the last four races and you say, okay, starting 20th, there should be some built-in PD there. You're also getting Kyle Busch for less than 10K. But there's a part of me that goes, can I really bite the bullet again and play him in cash? Like, 2020 has been such a bad year for Kyle Busch. Can you, like, can you make yourself bite the bullet and play him in cash? I don't think you necessarily have to. Because if... If, like, what do you think his ownership is in like a single entry cash game? I'd say seventy percent, maybe. You think it's going to be seventy percent? Yeah. I was going just under sixty, maybe. Because what do you need? People for... have bitter taste in their mouth from like the last three weeks of Kyle Busch. That's fair. Like, I mean, if you look at the momentum, you look at the last five races this season. He started on average 6.4 and finished 14.2. So do you think that just because he's out of the playoff picture right now, do you think he just kind of mails it in? I don't think he mails it in because he's consistently talked about the fact that he's gotten a win in the Cup Series every single year for the last 15 years, and he wants to keep that streak going. He wants yeah. to take it 16, and he obviously doesn't have a win at this point, and he's running out of chances fairly quickly. <clears throat> uh, Martinsville... Is an okay track for him. Not great. Texas, he's been pretty good at. And then Phoenix, he's obviously, you can't say he, he, he's not good because he's got literally a win at every single track the Cup Series goes to, except for the Charlotte Roval. But I don't know, man. Can you just say, look, Kyle Bush is out of the playoffs. He's going to snap into Kyle Bush. And he had the car set up pretty well in July until late race shenanigans happened and shuffled him back. I mean, you got to play him because there's PD there. Yeah. But how safe of a play is Kyle Bush in 2020? Which is not, not the safe. Question it's not, I never not, thought I'd be really asking agree with you, but at the same time, like he only needs to finish seventh to, I think return five X value. And that's assuming he doesn't lead any laps or get fastest laps. And I think he, he will what, 49 points. Yeah, and I was basing it. I was just rounding it up to fifty. So I think if he goes yeah, from twenty seventh, it's five x. Yeah, basically, it's pretty close. That'd be fifty one. So yeah, you'd hit five x value if he. I think we've ever been more in more disagreement on drivers than than for this race. I'm not saying not to play Kyle <laughs> Busch. I know just... you're not. I know you're not. I'm pulling the trigger in cash. Watch, by the time the example lineups come out Sunday, I guarantee you he's gonna be in my cash lineup for one of the for, for one of the sites. All right. all right, let's move on to we didn't even talk about Ryan Priest, but I don't really think he warrants all that much talking about. Yeah. I'm just not terribly excited about him. But I do like the next guy though. 
Chris Buescher? I do like Chris Buescher. Talk to me. So he's got three top 20s in the last four races here. He's starting 21st, okay? He had a pretty good, he's had a pretty good run in mile and a half races this year. In the last eight races at Kansas, Busher has finished in the top 25 times. Two of those were top 10s, okay? So he has the ability to finish higher than where he's starting. Um, you know, the July race wasn't great for Busher. Um, he crashed out of it. That's not a great look. Uh, but this race last year, he started 26th and finished 13th. So, you know, and and he's been pretty hot because Busher has started on average 20th in the last five races this season and has a 13.4 average finish in that span with three top 10s. Did you realize that Chris Busher had three top 10s in the last five races? Because I didn't until I wrote the sure track didn't. break. Sure <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm pretty intrigued by Chris Buescher at $6,700 starting 21st. That's fair. That's a good argument. I mean, he doesn't really have to do, if he gets to like 15th, which he's already shown he can do here, he easily hits value. So, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty intrigued by Chris Buescher. All right. How do you feel about Christopher Bell at 7,200? I'm off. I'm not that excited. It's It's hard to get excited about Christopher Bell. Um, obviously he had a pretty good Roval race going there for a while. He was up in the top five for a while. Um, he basically finished where he started in this race last, uh, in July, he started 22nd and finished 23rd. Um, so not, not great. Didn't really have any fastest laps or laps led. Just three laps off of the lead lap, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think he's okay. I mean, he started 22nd again. He hasn't really, I don't know, there was like a little bit of the season there where he came out and came out of his shell and was doing a lot better, and then it kind of faded away. Almost basically since he got named to go to the 20 car, it's like the 95 has stopped caring. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm not, not that into Christopher Bell. Cool. Uh, next row, uh, started talking about this guy. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is 7,400. Bubba Wallace is 6,900. Nice. Um, not in love with either guy here. Uh, Bubba Wallace has done terrible at this track. and yes. Yeah, I just can't trust Stenhouse at a mile and a half. Yeah, it's... I'll, I'll obviously trust Stenhouse more than Bubba this week, just given the fact that over the last five to eight races... Stenhouse has finished 11 spots higher on average <laughs> than Bubba. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stenhouse does have six top 20s in that span, three top 15s. But that's just not a lot of PD upside from where he's starting. Um, I think, I mean, uh, yeah, I just don't like, just don't like Bubba here. He obviously, he had a fast, he's had a fast car all season. And still didn't really do much with it in the uh, July race. Finished 37th. And by the way, Stenhouse finished 40th. Um, so he's on brand there. Stenhouse is pulling that one off. Um, in this race <laughs> last year, in the playoff race at Kansas last year, Stenhouse started 19th and finished 16th. Um, Bob Wallace started 10th and finished 35th because he crashed out again. Um yeah, I'm just kind of off of both of them this week. 
What about the next row? Ty Dillon starting 25th. I know that's a good spot where we like to target him. Michael McDowell is 26th at 5,700. Uh, down from his $8,100 price tag a week ago. That did not pay off. No, that uh, did not. That did not go. <laughs> that did not go our way on that one. I mean, the all, the Roval races last weekend, um, entertaining from a viewer standpoint. For, for DFS, they were the Xfinity race was a mess. Yeah, that was a disaster. Um, mostly because of the weather. And, <laughs> it was completely because of the weather. Yeah, that was that was not not great. Um, the cup race though. I feel like that was a lot more to do with pit strategy and when pit stops fell. That's fair. Than That's actual accidents or mm-hmm. weather. Because when it was raining, yes, some guys slid off um, the track. A few of them got it started again. A couple of guys had to get towed out. But I feel like every time I looked up, it was just getting caught on pit road at the wrong time or pitting for a restart when other people didn't pit for restarts yeah. and you got trapped back and then they had to go move up or um, in who got caught for somebody got caught for speeding a couple of different times, I think. So yeah, the McDowell play didn't really, didn't really pan out all that well. Ty Dillon though started out pretty awesome and then he changed to slicks way too quick and then lost track position. He could never make up. Um, so how do you feel about him this week? I think Ty Dillon's fine. I like to play him at mile and a half tracks for position upside. I don't think he has that much this week. He's starting several spots higher than we like to see him, but I think he's okay at 5,900. He's also five grand on Fanduel, uh, compared to Michael McDowell's 7,200 on Fanduel. So yeah, the advantage is going to go to Ty Dillon and save yourself $2,200 for the better driver. Um, that's kind of how that one's going to shake out. I'm not that big into McDowell this week. Just, I don't know. His mile and a half program hasn't been all that impressive to me this year. Um, I'm just going to kind of lump in the rest of the field just because I'm, I'm not, <laughs> um, strange question. I guess yes. it's not strange. It's pretty straight up. How do you feel about Matt Kenseth this week? I kind of like him. I kind of like kids. Actually, I feel dirty. I feel dirty about that. I almost put him as the contrarian play in the track breakdown because I was looking at it and I'm like, you know, he kind of had a good run here. Prior to last week, he had five straight top 18 finishes. Yeah. Like, where did that come from? And last week, he drove himself into one of the uh, side barriers, right? Didn't they have to tow? There's a meme of people trying to figure out how to get his car out from under the barrier, I think. Um, he memed himself last week, basically. Um, he's also like 6600 bucks on both sides. So why not take a shot on Matt Kenseth, even though it feels dirty? Usually the dirtiest DFS lineups you can put together are the ones that do the best. Um, yeah, I, I mean, kind of like... just finished it on it's, it's It's 5x value easily. Yeah. Right, so why not take a shot at him? He's done pretty decently here, um, of late, like the last several times he's been in the car here. He did pretty well here in July, um, with a 17th place finish. He did go backwards about three spots, but hey, starting 14th and only going backwards three spots is better than most people are doing right now. So, right. yeah, I kind of like I kind of like Matt Kenseth. 
Um, I also kind of like John Hunter Nemechek. Is it because he got married? Well, I mean, there is that, and there was your untimely joke about that, too. Um, <laughs> I don't, all I said was like, oh, yeah, I hope this is one thing he doesn't wreck. Yeah, uh, which is a fair sentiment. You know, we wish him all marital bliss. Exactly. But he did do well here in July. He moved up 11 spots and finished 19th. Mm-hmm. So this apparently was the one track he could keep the uh, car on track for. Remember how his season started, how he was he looked really good in the first few races, and everyone's like, oh, man, JHN is a wheel man. This kid can race. And then... Yeah, and then it turned out he was <laughs> too much of a wheel man and kept driving it <laughs> where he shouldn't have been driving it. Yeah. Um... I think he's an intriguing play. 6,100 on DK and 5,500 on FanDuel. Um, I think there's a few people starting in front of him that he'll pretty easily pass. So there's a few spots of PD right there, like AKA Quinn Hoff, who's somehow starting ahead of him. Um, yeah, I mean, that's probably about as far back in the field as I'm willing to go this week. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I'm not. In I don't case. know. Maybe JJ Yelly is a punt. Maybe. I'm not doing that. Maybe, depending on how you want to build your lineups. But in the last three races at Kansas, he's got an average finish of 27.7 and five and a half spots of PD. So there's worse punts like Timmy Hill or Chad Fincham <laughs> or Joey Case. Um, so Yelly, I don't know. I. If you absolutely need a $3,500 punt on Fandle, then I'm okay with J.J. Yale. Well, I'll say, like, if you play Yaley, because if you play Yaley, Yaley's the kind of guy where if you play him, you're not expecting 5x value. I know 26 points is not a lot, but even for him, like, you you should just be happy if he somehow gets you, like, 18 to 20. Yeah, but, but in you- the last three races here on Fandle, he's posted a whopping 12.2x value. Yeah, I, I don't really... That's Fanduel, and I'm not looking. I don't really. Right, I know. He's, also posted, he's also posted 4.2 on DK yeah. in that span. So it's like if you start with Yaley and Busher, you have an average of like 9,500 bucks to spend on the next four drivers. And right. So you can go fit Kyle Bush pretty easily. You can go fit uh, Clint Boyer fits that really nicely. Eric Jones easily fits in there, and then you've got like eleven thousand dollars. You could go put together Martin Truex Jr. in that lineup. Mm-hmm. Or potentially Chase if you got a couple hundred extra bucks laying around. Or Denny Hamlin at 10-6. Yeah. Definitely gives you flexibility. Uh, is there I anything else so. we needed to touch on? Or I, I thought this was a, I don't know, it's a shorter one for us. We're used, we're used to going like an hour. But I think we'll save like the super long podcast next week when Ed's with us. Yeah. Also, next week isn't as exciting of a race because <laughs> it's Texas. And I'm just not that excited about Texas. Um, it's boring. The, ra- the racing should be fun. Um, the cooler weather should add some grip into the tires. So, again, how guys drove in the second half of the July race is a decent comp to how they should start on Sunday because I know it was a night race and whatever, but in terms of temp and how that you know reacts with the cars and the tires and the grip on the track and whatever... Should be pretty comparable. This should be a pretty fun race. Um, Generally speaking, you can approach it just like any other mile-and-a-half track, which is you're going to need a balanced build between some laps led, 
and some position differential. Um, in the last five races here, another little tidbit, 36 total drivers have posted double-digit place differential days in the last five races. In the last uh, three races, there's been a grand total of 28 drivers to post double-digit position differential days in the last three races here combined. Nice. Now, part of that is there was that epic race where, like, half the field failed um, pre-race inspection. Mm-hmm. I think it was, like, the early race last year where, like, half the field failed pre-race inspection. So you had guys like Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano and um, Martin Truex Jr., who all had run top five lap times in practice, qualified up there, and then failed pre-race tech, and then <laughs> started in the back. So that'll inflate some of those numbers, but you can pick up spots here so it's kind of the way we're going to approach the builds this week is a little bit of laps led and a little bit of place differential i know it's not sexy to hear that but that's kind of the best way to do it here all right love it good stuff as always uh four races to go we're winding down before we enter the silly season but matt thank you so much for your time best of luck to you and best of luck to the fa nation best of luck fa nation